Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski, and I'll be your moderator for today's Zoom class. And welcome to the Institute of Divine Metaphysical Research. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to, the, to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958. We hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl. In this school, use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which were contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit, manifest of a physical body, is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles, they are not. The Paul filled Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike those of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus' name, but it is an erroneous name, and a minor investment on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin language have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names an uh, impossible rendering for the true name of our Father and his son. Christ's title, just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh, pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and everything that exists. And we have Yahweh in his spirit state, symbolized on the chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descript shape and form. 
And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. Now this form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call this man when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. And the tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. And in this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern. And that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The 10 primary constitutional objectives or aims of the Institute are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh 
9, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this evening with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class, and we'll have a scripture which will be Proverbs, the first chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave, and good afternoon and evening to everyone. May we all bow our hearts and minds, and let us thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, through his son, Yahshua, for all the many blessings that he has bestowed upon each and every one of us. We want to thank you, Yahweh, for taking us out of the world, bringing us into a place where we could hear the truth. And above that, we even want to thank you for giving us the desire to want to know the truth and then to have a love of the truth. We just appreciate that we know if it was of, our, of ourselves, we can't do this of ourselves. We can't follow you in and of ourselves, that we have to be led by you with that spirit of Yahshua the Messiah in our hearts and minds. We just want to thank you, Yahweh, for making us stable in a very, very unstable world. We just know that you're real. You've given us stability and peace. And we thank you so much that you came and laid down your life for us and given us of Yahshua the Messiah, which is our ticket to the ages yet to come. Again, we just want to thank you, Yahshua, and thank you for giving us of your spirit, putting it into our hearts and our, and our minds, and making us do right. We just ask you to continue to strengthen us and make yourself more magnified as this thing goes on to us. And these things we ask you for and thank you for in our Precious Savior's name, Yahshua the Messiah, let us all say, hallelujah. 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 Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading Proverbs, the first chapter from the Holy Name Bible. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of the father and forsake not the law of the mother. 
for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as a grave and whole as those that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot amongst us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, then distress distress and anguish cometh upon you then shall they call upon me but i will not answer they shall seek me early but they shall not find me for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of yahweh they would none of my counsel they despised all my reproof therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices for the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear and evil. Proverbs, the first chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. And this evening, we are going to have a three-speaker format. Uh, each speaker will have approximately 35 minutes. And our scripture readers this evening will be Dr. Andrea Volpe from our Oceanside class and Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse class. And our first speaker this evening will be Dr. Iris Jones from Georgia.
Okay. He's muted, Dennis. Yes, I'm here. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. It's good to be here in class with you all this evening. It's always an honor and a privilege to come to learn even more about Yahweh the Messiah and his purpose. In our scripture reading this evening, uh, Solomon is going through some instructions. And before we get the first verse of the scripture reading, can we read the first verse of the fourth chapter of Proverbs, please? Proverbs 4 and 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to know understanding. Before so, I so Solomon is always, and it's Yahshua through Solomon that's saying that we should hear the instructions of the father. And attend to know understanding. We have to be able to pick up those things that Yahshua is showing us. We have to be able to come to, to see what it is that he's showing us about his purpose. And his purpose is deliverance. His purpose is to deliver us, deliver us from the death, hell, and destruction that's all around us it's just everywhere you can't turn on the news you can't do anything without seeing those things that lucifer has just got everybody so confused so up in arms i mean it's just a mess we just finished uh elections in georgia and I work for Bullock County uh, Elections, and it has been a really surreal type of experience. People are angry all the time, and they want to strike out at something, and it's not, you know, it's not you or the person in front of them, but they're just angry, and it's because they don't have the peace that Mr. Geller was praying about that Yahshua has given us down here at the end of this age. Now, how we come about that peace, like I said, is by him teaching us about his purpose. We come to understand that Yahweh is the name of the creator. His divine title that he chose for himself is Elohim. And the name, the only name that we can be saved in is Yahshua. How do we come about that understanding? It's by the means of a divine vision and revelation. 
Our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the year 1931, claims to have had a divine vision and revelation directly from the creator. And he said not to take his word for it, but to make us prove to his satisfaction that he did indeed have a divine vision and revelation. Now, as a result of that, he went about to, first of all, paint charts so that he could show, as he told us, what Yahweh had shown him. He showed us, if we get the pattern or plan of salvation chart, he showed us how Yahweh set everything up according to a pattern. You see, right here on the top of the chart, it says chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. See, his purpose is deliverance. It's salvation. He's coming to save us. And he's showing us how he's going to do that. He walks us through the law, first five books of the Bible, and the testimony from Joshua to Malachi to show us how he is going to do that. You see, he gives us witnesses that we can look at. We can see blood, water, and spirit. And Yahweh says that's his witness to testify of his son to testify of Yahshua the Messiah. So now we start on that pattern or plan of salvation chart. You see, we have Adam. And when Adam was created, it was not in the garden. Adam was created and then placed in the garden. And Yahweh put him in a deep sleep and took from Adam a rib and a womb and created a woman. You see, now they're in the garden and Lucifer comes to Eve and offers her a, a line and says to her, hadn't Yahweh said that you could have of every tree in the garden? And she told him what Yahweh said, that they could have, but the one that was in the midst of the garden, they should not touch it or eat, these they die. And he tells her, no death will you die. And, you know, this is Adam and Eve and Lucifer there in the garden. Eve is deceived. Adam willfully dies for his bride. And they're escorted out of the garden in the cool of the day by that angel with that sword that, so that they couldn't go back in the garden. But here you see a death with them partaking of that fruit. Cause Yahweh told them in the day that you touch, you will surely die. They die instantaneously, you see. They had to leave that garden. Now they're condemned. They're buried in that condemnation. And it's going to just be Yahshua that's going to have to resurrect them out of that. But we see a principle there. You see, when 
Adam partook of that fruit, death, that blood went to the four corners of the earth. They had to eat bread by the sweat of their brow. You see, and spirit was the angel that guarded the way back into the garden. All of this is showing us how Yahshua had to die, how he would be buried, and how he would resurrect the third day according to the scriptures. You see, thank you for moving that chart like that. Appreciate it. Now with Noah, you see, Noah was told that he should preach that rain was going to come from the sky. First, he was told that, you know, the end of all flesh had come before Yahweh. Yahweh described how the very thoughts and intent of the heart of mankind at that time was only evil continually. Now, I don't know about you, but I could see that today. I mean, people are, it's just always evil. There's no, there's nobody planning anything good, not for this country, not in the world, not dealing with the virus. Everybody is out for themselves and none of it is good. But now the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man was only evil continually in the days of Noah. And Yahweh told Moses, Noah, that the end of all flesh was had come before him and that Noah should build an ark. He gave Noah specific instructions on how to build that ark. That ark had to be an upper deck, a middle deck, a, a middle deck and lower deck. Three parts to the ark, one ark. That ark had one door and one window. You see, and Noah was telling that to people for 120 years. He had to have seen something to be so animate about saying the same things over and over again for 120 years. The founder of this school was animate about the things he taught us. He said the same things over and over again. He had to have seen something. And when you preach this gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, you are saying the same things over and over again. You're going back to Adam. You're picking up Noah. You're going to see the birth of Isaac. You're going to see what happens with Isaac. You're going to see the children of Israel. You see, and that blood on the door, on the inside of their doorpost in the land of Egypt. And that's the blood that Yahweh required then for them to come out of that bondage. 
That's a type, that's a shadow. It's teaching us principles that's going to show us how Yahshua had to die. We had to see four points of blood. You see, a crown of thorn on his head, two nail, uh, well, a nail in his hand, on e in either hand, and a nail going through his feet. Four points of blood there. You see, the soldier going through, he was breaking the legs of those on either side of Yahshua. But with Yahshua, he pierced him in the side. And John bore record that forthwith came blood and water. He had already given up that spirit. You see, that's how he had to die. That's what he was telling us back there with Adam. That's what he's telling us back there with Noah. You see, Noah was obedient. He listened to the instruction. He built that ark. He and his family went into the ark and all the animals that Yahweh put his spirit in to get into that ark. They were in that ark for seven days and then the rain came and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. You see, Noah and his family was in that ark for a year before they could get out on dry ground. But deliverance happened. Yahshua is delivering. That's what his purpose is, salvation. You see, he told Isaac to, I'm sorry, he told Abraham to offer up his son, Isaac. You see, Isaac had seen where Abraham had seen where Isaac came from. He was past eight, or his wife was past age. He was well stricken in age, and they came together and they had a son. He was resurrected from the dead before. So when Yahweh told him to go and sacrifice him, and he had already told him that he was going to bless all the nations of the earth, through his seed, while Abraham might have thought it was Isaac, that son was actually going to be Yahshua, but Isaac is a type. So now, he was as good as dead in Abraham's heart and mind. And he was going to do what Yahweh told him to do. He was following the instructions. That's what it tells us in Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Hear the instructions of a father. He was following those instructions. And Yahweh caused an angel to stay his hand. You see, and Yahweh had provided a ram for them to sacrifice there. All of this is telling us about Yahshua's death, his burial and his resurrection. And why is that so important? Because he is going to put his spirit in our hearts and in our minds so that we can know him as he really is and actually exists. That's the only way we're going to do that 
It can't be outside of us. We we see people trying to accomplish righteousness. They go to church all the time. They pay their tithes. They 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 have prayer circles. They do all kinds of stuff to establish their own righteousness. But it's not what Yahweh's. That's not his instruction. That is not his instruction. He said to hear and to come to an understanding. Don't let it go. So now as we're going through this chart here on the pattern or plan of salvation, there's a plan to this. There's a pattern for it. We're going to pick up principles of blood, water, and spirit. We're going to see a death, a burial, and a resurrection so that when we preaching this God, we have to have seen something. He has shown us who he is. He has shown us how he operates. He takes us through all kinds of things, but he shows us that purpose remains the same, that pattern is always in line, and he is about the business of deliverance. Nobody has taken that job from him. He's the only one that can do it, you see. So now with the children of Israel here in the land of Egypt, you see, now Moses was told to go back into the land of Egypt and to tell the children of Israel and Pharaoh that Yahweh said they had to get up out of there and serve him at that mount. Now, Yahweh also told Moses that it would be by a mighty hand that they would be delivered. And Yahweh was down there in the land of Egypt with the children of Israel, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that they, he could not do what Moses was asking him to do. But Moses was obedient to the instruction. Yes, it might have seemed that he wanted to put up some arguments, but Yahweh didn't say, if you decide to go down to Egypt, he told him, when you get there, that means that you are going there. You, this is what you're going to do. And throughout all the plagues, Moses listened to the instruction. He told Pharaoh what he was told to tell him. And he was with the children of Israel. Yahshua was right there with the children of Israel. As Egypt is being completely destroyed, the mightiest nation on the face of the earth is being completely destroyed. And Yahshua is with the ones whom he had chosen. Now, I listen to the news, and I hear about the United States and this democratic experiment and how we were supposed to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth, a superpower and all of this, and you watching it crumble. It's just falling apart. 
what happened on Wednesday to in the sight of the whole world is what the whole world was looking at when Egypt was being destroyed. You see, and Yahshua was there with the children of Israel in the, in the land of Egypt, those whom he had chosen. He was right there with them. And today, in what we call 2021, he is right here with those whom he has chosen. He's not, he, he, he hasn't lost any power. The same one who caused that flood is the same one who's got us right now. The same one who had that angel stay Abraham's hand is the same one who is with us right now. The same one who took the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and brought them to and through the divided waters of the Red Sea. He is right here with us right now. The purpose is deliverance. He is delivering us. And it, you know, if you if you have a, a healthy life, a wealthy life, that is beautiful. But this is not the one, this is not the city we're looking for. It's like Abraham who walked the length and breadth of Cana's land, but he didn't find what he was looking for because that peace, that possession is in Yahshua the Messiah. That's the promise. That's what he told us we could have. We could have it right now. We're not, you know, we're going to take off the flesh. That's a given. It has an expiration date. But what we're looking towards is like what our beautiful prayer was talking about. You see, we're looking at that new earth state and the peace righteousness and joy that he has set for us before the foundation of the world he said that we could have that you see he purposed that for us he's showing us a pattern on how he's bringing it about he's letting us live through something so that we can see that purpose in motion it's not just on the charts or in the books or in the class books. And all of those things are beautiful things. I, I, I love Zoom classes, you know, as often as I can be here, I am here. It's a beautiful thing that Yahweh has allowed us a method by which we can come together and talk about these things because the world don't want to hear it. You know, you, you can't tell them a lie, so you just shut up. You know, I was telling my grandson, who's 13, and sometimes 13-year-olds believe that they know everything. However, I was trying to explain to him, everybody is not for the truth, Thurgood. The truth is for everybody. 
Yahshua died for the sin of the whole world. He is for everybody. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, but everybody's not for the truth. Everybody don't want to hear the truth. And I don't want to lie to you. So I just shut up. But this place, this sacred place that Yahweh has allowed us to come together and talk about those things that he has shown us. He's shown us how he's walked through the dispensations and ages. You see, he showed us how he does that with unerring accuracy and in constant repetition. You're going to keep saying the same things. You're going to talk to people about the same thing. Yes, Yahshua is about salvation, uh, the salvation of our soul. That belongs to him. He said all souls are his. You see, those whom he has chosen, he's allowed us to see that down here at the end of the age. Please don't get tired hearing it. Don't get tired saying it. I need to hear it. As like I said, as much as I can, I am in class, whether on YouTube or in a Zoom setting. Let us continue to serve Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your time. And if you got anything, if any encouragement comes from it, all praise, honor, and glory go to Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Jones. And our second speaker this evening will be the Dean of our Phoenix, Arizona class, Dr. Renee Jackson. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. This was, hi, this was a surprise. Wow. I thoroughly enjoyed the previous speaker. Um, I just want to say hallelujah, but uh, she expressed a, a lot of the things, wow, that have been going through my, you know, going through my mind of late um, with all of the events, COVID-19 and all that. And Oh, geez, there's so many ways to go. I want to start by saying that um, it's always a pleasure to be able to give a reasonable testimony. And I kind of want to take off where she kind of left off, but can someone give for me Isaiah 52 and 8? And um, this has, a, you know, she was talking about the city that we've come to. Uh, between the prayer and, and, you know, talking about the peace of Yahshua the Messiah. And all these things are, are very important. And, um, and here's the bottom line of it. And if someone could go ahead and read that for me, Isaiah 52 and 8. Isaiah 52 and 8. The watchmen shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when Yahweh shall bring again Zion. And I know that um, as, I, as I'm reading Dr. Kimmy lectures, 
all the time. You know, he referred to this verse a lot um, when he's talking about the watchman. And really and truly, um, as the first speaker said, you know, don't get tired of preaching it. You know, we want to hear it because that's what we are. We are the watchman of Yahweh. And if you go and if you look up what a watchman is, um, a watchman, can someone get the definition? Do we have a dictionary? Mm-hmm. Hold on, I got to grab one. Okay. Because it's important sometimes to look at, you know, what, it, what exactly is a watchman? And if you'll go, ah, um, oh, geez, let me, let me wait for that definition first, and then, and then I'll move on. I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I got to calm myself down here a little bit. Watchman. Mm-hmm. One set to watch, a guard. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all I have in the... Um, is that okay? So is that webs? Okay. Can we go um, get for me Ezekiel real quick? And I believe it's Ezekiel. Uh, 33. Uh, thank you. Uh, at one, Renee? Yes. Start at one, please. Ezekiel 33 and one. Mm-hmm. Again, the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, Son Mm -hmm. of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their borders, set him for their watchman, if Mm -hmm. when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then Mm -hmm. whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But now, if, okay. I'm sorry, I'm going to. Yep. Uh, okay. So what we're reading is Yahweh speaking to Ezekiel. And he's telling them that if they place a watchman in the city, that watchman had a job to do. And his job was to warn the people of the land. Now, the previous speaker talked about uh, people don't want to hear the gospel, and most of them don't. But it's still our job and still our duty and still our profession to preach this gospel whenever we can and to whoever we can. And these Zoom classes do that wonderfully because even though they may not want to hear it, everybody's flipping through YouTube these days, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. looking for somebody to follow. Think about it. That's the key word these days. You go on Twitter, who are you following? Mm-hmm. You know, you go on Facebook, who are you following? It's about who you're following. I'm following Yahshua Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. They're talking about sure. who's an influencer. They have that term influencer, right? Where all these young people are on there doing all kinds of wild, crazy things, or whatever the case may be. And it's all about how many people can I get to follow me? How many people can I get to influence? You understand? And those are spiritual principles that Yahweh's showing us right now. Look, the only one you should be following is Joshua Messiah. The only influence you should be under is the Holy Spirit. But these are 
just the things that we're seeing in these days and times that it's giving us a glimpse into the condition and mindset of the souls of the people in the world these days, right? So as watchmen, it's still our duty to preach the gospel. And we are in a city and the city that we belong to, um, I say this often that, um, gosh, my citizenship is not of the United States. My right. citizenship is in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where my citizenship is. Uh, um, my president, my leader, the captain of my soul is Yashua oh. Masai. You understand? Trump is just Trump a is figurehead that's been placed in this uh, earth plane as a type and a shadow to reflect something, right? And, but he's not the one I'm looking to as far as the comfort and the peace of my soul. I'm looking towards Yashua Messiah because he is our peace, you understand? Now this watchman was required to blow the trumpet when Yahweh sent it. And it says, when, when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and he warns the people. Now, if we're watchmen, oh goodness, let me say this. When the children of Israel were in Jerusalem at that time, after they came up out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they entered into Canaan's land. And when they got there, the cities were already made, the crops were in fruition, everything was ready for them. They didn't have to build anything. They didn't have to you know, till the land. Everything was ready. It was already ready. So they just went in and took control or inhabited these cities, right? And when they did that, they had watchmen on the towers. Right, and if you go and look at old Jerusalem in some pictures, you can see where some of the towers were. You understand? Um, so what we have is, we have these people that were upon these towers and when they saw you know, invading troops coming, they were supposed to warn the people. Now all the watchmen had to say the same thing. They couldn't be giving different reports. And we're in the same situation as the watchmen of Yahweh. We should all be speaking the same thing, preaching the same thing. We're supposed to be being vigilant. Vigilant means you're keeping a careful watch for possible dangers or difficulties. And Peter says over there, uh, if someone could find it for me, where he talks about, um, oh, it's not coming. We're, we're in perilous times. Uh, I'm not sure where that is. Uh, is it Timothy? Go ahead, Andrea. I don't have it. Second Timothy three and one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For mm -hmm. men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasting. Now that's what the previous speaker was talking about. She was talking about how everybody's for themselves, mm. right? That's, that's what they're looking at. They're looking for uh, material gain, um, material comforts, you know, money, what, whatever the case. In other words, their carnal mind is simply after the things that be of the flesh. 
That's what they're looking for. Continue to read. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, mm -hmm. false mm -hmm. accusers, incontinent, right. fierce, despisers of those that are good, mm -hmm. traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of Yahweh, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it. From such, turn away. Now, does this not describe what we have in the world today? Mm -hmm. You know, I was reading this, this uh, article where um, President Trump has a spiritual advisor. Um, I believe her name is Paula White, but um, she's a evangelist or whatever preacher. And um, I don't know if any of you had read where she was calling for angels from Africa and air angels from South America to swoop in and give him the election. Okay. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm reading this article and I'm like, wow, how, how blind are these people to think that, um, you know, their God is petty as far as, you know, looking after Trump in that sense, right? And that's what they are. They're lovers of their own selves without natural affection, truce bakers, false accusers. That's the state and condition of the world today. You know, you have what's called the cancel culture, right? Everybody's up in arms about the cancel culture. What does that mean? Basically what you're saying is you don't wanna to be told that you're wrong. That's really what that means, you see? and the children of Israel, they were yelling and screaming about cancel culture back in the wilderness. Why? Look, folks, when they, you know, Yahweh brought them up out of the land of Egypt, they didn't know anything about Yahweh, right? And when he gets them out there in the wilderness, he tells them, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. In other words, he told them, look, everything that you see that the, the heathen do or the Gentiles do, that's over there in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, don't do it. In other words, when they came out, he had to teach them or he had to instruct them. That's what the first speaker was talking about. You know, that's what Proverbs is talking about. We have to take the instruction of Yahweh. Now, how did Yahweh choose to instruct us? He chose to instruct us by the law and by the prophets. And not just stop there. Why the law and the prophets? Because those are the witnesses of Yahweh. Those are the witnesses of Yahshua the Messiah, you see? And by those witnesses, we see how the Messiah came in to fulfill what he had set up back there under the law and the prophets. He had to fulfill it physically, and then he had to translate it into reality or fulfill it spiritually so that you and I might receive the blessings of receiving the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important about seeing eye to eye and speaking to all the same thing, because as watchmen, we all have to agree on the same thing. And I often think about how Dr. Kinley, you know, he had the question um, concerning, I believe uh, it's Acts 17th chapter. Um, I think it's 17 and 31, if someone could get that. Yeah, it's Acts 17 and 31. 
Because the world does not see eye to eye on anything right now. Mm-mm. Nothing. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, politically, ecumenically. You see, it doesn't matter. No one agrees about anything. You see, but Yahweh can make all men see eye to eye, but it's concerning his son, Yahshua Messiah. Can someone read that for me real quick? Acts 17, and you said what verse? I'm sorry. 31. Acts 17 and 31. Because Mm -hmm. he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Mm -hmm. And when they heard of the resurrection. I'm I'm sorry. Did I... uh... Could you start that over? I think I missed something. No One worries. More time, please. I'm sorry. Oh. Acts 17 31. Mm-hmm. Because he hath appointed a day. Hello? Hello? <laughs> started 30. Oh, started 30. Okay, got it. Okay. Um, Acts 17 and 30. And the times of this ignorance Yahweh winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now it says Yahweh at the time, at times Yahweh, the ignorance Yahweh winked at. What ignorance? Listen, from Adam all the way down to Yahshua the Messiah, Yahweh did not reveal to mankind what he has revealed in these last days to us. They didn't know about his pattern and plan of salvation. You understand what I'm saying? So, and at that time, he winked at it. He let it go, basically. But now, he commands all men everywhere to repent. Do we all know what repent means? Repent means to turn away from doing that which is wrong. That's what repent means. So he's commanded all men everywhere to repent. Continue to read. And at this times of this ignorance, Yahweh winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Mm-hmm. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Now listen, we are in that day or we're in the judgment day right now. Mm-hmm. That's the day he's talking about is judgment day. And he's judging the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Who is the man that he's talking about? The man that he's talking about is Yahshua the Messiah. So now Dr. Kelly though, at the time before he received his divine vision and revelation, his question was, well, Yahweh, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make all men see eye to eye? You understand? That was his question. And he received an answer to that question. And the answer we got was Yahweh giving him this divine vision and revelation, appointing him as the watchman and the prophet for our benefit in these last days and times so that we might also be partakers of Yahshua Messiah and his Holy Spirit. 
That's what this is about. That's the importance of continuing to preach the gospel. But here's the thing. We got to make sure we all speak the same thing. You understand? Because you can't have, how do I don't say this? We all make up the body of Yahshua the Messiah. We all make up the body of Yahshua the Messiah. And I always look back at the migratory pattern because it, it tells our spiritual journey so well. When the children of Israel got to Canaan's land, they all got there together. They, they hit the Jordan River together. Yahshua got them there together. They crossed over Jordan land together. So, you know, we talk about no big eyes and no little use. That means we're all going to get the same. We're all getting the same penny. You understand what I'm saying? So there's not supposed to be any division or there's no division or friction in the body of Yahshua the Messiah because we all speak the same thing. And what are we preaching? We're, we're speaking how Yahshua died according to the scriptures, okay? And rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what we all teach. Listen, our watchword is peace. That's what our watchword is, isn't it? Our watchword is peace. Watchword is a word or phrase expressing a person or group's core aim or belief. That's what a watchword was. It comes from the archaic meaning is that it was a military password, right? When you'd have like a sentinel on watch and the changing of the guard or the changing of the watch, they'd have a password. That's, that's where the term watchword comes from. But our watchword is peace. What does that mean? It means our peace is Yahshua the Messiah. That, that's, where, that's what our peace is. Um, can, uh, can you get me Romans 5 and 1? Romans and I 5 just want to show this. Mm -hmm. Therefore, being justified by faith, we mm -hmm. have peace with Elohim through our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Now, see, by we have peace by Yahshua the Messiah. Well, now, when I look back at the law, well, how do I see that peace manifested? When the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt, they were told to make the tabernacle, okay? But they were also given seven feasts that they had to follow. And one of those feasts was the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement, or being at one, that was a administration in the tabernacle that was required of Israel to do so that they would be reconciled unto Yahweh. What does that mean? It means that on the third and final trip that that high priest would make in the tabernacle, when he would throw the blood towards the mercy seat, that final seven times, if the priest did it right, he would receive a vision of Yahweh Elohim in the tabernacle. He would see that cloud. Do we have the, can we get the tabernacle chart real quick? Just to see that cloud in the mercy seat. He would see a vision of Elohim or the flashing of the Shekinah. Uh, I'm if sorry, he did Renee, it right. the, the chart, I'm out of the chart business right now. My computer crashed. Um, okay. I'll get it back as soon as possible, but it'll be a, a little while. No problem. Um, for those of our, then we'll have to use our imagination, but um, I just want you to see that once that happened, that 
all of Israel was outside as the high priest was going through his duties of that feast. And they were listening. Okay, they were listening for those bells as he did his circuits inside the holy inside the tabernacle. And once that happened, then they would rejoice. Okay. And that meant that Yahweh had accepted the priest's atonement, or they were reconciled to Yahweh, or they were at one with Yahweh, or they were at peace with Yahweh. Now, that was a type, that was a shadow, that was an allegory. And that happened for the whole year. That took care of all their sins for the whole year. But here's the thing, they had to start doing it all over again, okay? Because those sacrifices were never meant or they could not take away the sin. You see, they can't take away sin, just like getting washed in water, can't take away your sin. I don't care how many times you go get dunked in a river, it's not gonna take away sin. Why? Because sin occurs within the soul of the man or the conscience of the man and water can't get in and clean the conscience. It takes living water to do that. So the living water that we have to receive is receiving of the Holy Spirit. You understand? But my point about that is they were at peace or they were at one with Yahweh. That's the peace we're looking for. You understand? Now the world is looking for peace on another level. Okay? Because here's the thing. As long as you're sinning, you are at war with Yahweh. That, you're, you're an enemy, okay, right? To be carnally minded is death. It's enmity. That's what enmity means, to be an enemy. So you're at war with Yahweh, you're or you're rebelling in that sense, okay? But once you receive the Holy Spirit, you're now one with the Father. You're one with the Son. That's what the prayer was of Yahshua Messiah in John, the 17th chapter. And as we learn that he's fulfilling that day of atonement, when he says, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. You see, that's what that day of atonement was about. And type and shadow was making Israel one with Yahweh again. You understand? Because it atoned for all their sins of the year. But see, now, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you see, once you receive the Holy Spirit, you're now at one with your creator, you understand? That prayer that Yahshua Messiah did in the garden, it, it was fulfilled spiritually on the day of Pentecost when those 120 people received that Holy Spirit, you see, that's them becoming at one or at peace or they're reconciled unto Yahshua Messiah. And then I'm gonna get one more verse and then I'm gonna yield the floor. Um, Colossians uh, 1 and 20. And then I'll be done. Colossians 1.20. And having mm -hmm. made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present mm -hmm. you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. 
if you wow. in the that's, face. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's deep to me. That that is beautiful. That <laughs> Yahweh in that manifestation of Yahshua the Messiah, he reconciled the world unto himself. You understand? He reconciled all things unto himself. And now, now you're not alienated anymore. You're not enemies in your mind anymore. Remember I said, you're an enemy of Yahweh as long as you're sinning. But now, once you receive the Holy Spirit, uh, you're reconciled to him. You're at one. You're at peace. And that's why it's so important for us to continue um, to be watchmen, to continue to preach this gospel and to preach it in power and in demonstration because it's about the of being resurrected from the dead, the soul being resurrected from the dead. That's what happens when we preach the gospel. And I want to thank, thank you for the, the opportunity to speak and I'll yield the floor back to the moderator. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. And our third speaker this evening will be Dr. Sue Sikelski from our Rhode Island class. Good evening, can you hear me? Yes, we can. It's great to be with you this evening. And in thinking about what the first two speakers have talked about, we are so far away from a, an um, atmosphere of reconciliation and peace in the world that we're living in today uh, that it's it creates an incredible contrast for those of us who have been able to rest with comfort in this gospel um, could we go into proverbs to our scripture reading the first chapter please and start at one proverbs one and one the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, righteousness and justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, so Solomon in these proverbs is trying to paint a picture of what we should be looking at or the things that we should be thinking about. And he draws some comparisons. He does some correlations. He does some analogies. Um, the introduction in my Bible to the book of Proverbs says that a proverb is similar to a parable, usually only a little bit shorter um, to make a point. Solomon here is talking about the importance of wisdom, instruction, words of understanding, all of the things that seem to be in such short supply in the world today. And 
we've been blessed to be brought into the gospel that has a foundation of truth, of understanding through witnesses, of proof, of our ability to demand proof and to demand that someone prove something to our satisfaction, as the founder would talk about. You don't find that out in the world today. And in what we've been seeing recently, you don't even see people manifesting wanting to know the truth, wanting to have witnesses, wanting to base what they believe on facts, on knowledge, on science. It's just an amazing time that we're living in to contrast with Yahweh's purpose and how he does things. In the Rhode Island class, we've been working on an article in our class, which um, I just want to bring out a couple of very brief points. Um, it talks about the state of the mind of our political parties these days and how things have gotten away from what at least on the surface had an appearance of um, conscious thought, considering the facts, thinking about what their platforms are and trying to stay true to that with policies and implementation and how they approach life and have deteriorated into some pretty dark places as we particularly saw this past week. And one of the things that this article talks about is that people need, I'm quoting from the article now, people need a secure order to feel safe. And deprived of that, they legitimately feel cynicism, distrust, alienation. Um, and this is when things like the conspiracy theories, stories that support their way of thinking start to become the, the thought of the day, the accepted truth for, for people who don't feel that they have things being provided to them from, from the world or from the leadership, from the government. Um, and so conspiracy theories, um, I got thinking about that. And I think, could we go back into Genesis, the third chapter, please? I think this is one of the first documented conspiracy theories um, that we might be able to talk about for a moment and see how, Yah how that's working in Yahweh's purpose, how the concept of a conspiracy or a conspiracy theory um, is playing out in how the mystery of iniquity is working in that operation of Yahweh's purpose. Um, I'd start at one, I believe, Genesis 3, one. Genesis three and one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Yahweh Elohim hath made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath Elohim said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, 
Yahweh has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. All right, so Satan is having a conversation with Eve and asks her a question, and she states what she understands to be the facts of the circumstance. Yahweh has said this and said this would happen if we ate of the tree. Read. Um, Genesis 3 and 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For Yahweh doth know that in the day you eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. All right. So there we have fake news. We have alternate truth or alternate facts presented to, to Eve in the garden. The mystery of iniquity told her something and it sounded attractive enough, interesting enough. And from the description, he had, um, he, he was able to sell his story. He had um, a good way of speaking. He looked attractive and presented something to her that she was willing to buy. So we have our first example of fake news going on back in the garden. Now, modus operandi for the mystery of iniquity is an awful lot of fake news, alternative truth, alternative facts, which have just been highlighted and probably labeled that way more recently, but has been going on from the beginning of Yahweh's purpose. And we could probably take that discussion back into the angelic creation and the war in heaven that was talked about in Revelation 12, because you know you have to see the same principles going on back at the beginning of this, of this purpose. So Satan is working that way down through. And if we think about where else we can see some of that happening, um, first of all, if we were to look up conspiracy in a dictionary, which I did, so um, if you'll allow me to just repeat it, conspiracy is defined as an agreeing or planning between two or more parties to do an evil or unlawful act in concert to plot something. It's also defined as an acting together. So in a conspiracy, we, we see that the modern day usage and the most popular definition is that of something that's um, negative in connotation, but the definition of acting together doesn't necessarily label it as good or bad. It could be something that just two people conspire to do something and arrange or plan to do something together. Now, an interesting thing about the word conspiracy, it comes from the word conspire. And the etymology of conspire is to breathe together. So when we think about that, there's been a lot of discussion about the breathing that manifests that name of Yahweh, that in spite of any 
opinions or theories or concepts to, that are different, that name of Yahweh was never lost. That name of Yahweh is incredibly important to our natural life, which is a type and a shadow of how important it is to our spiritual life. As Romans 1, 19 and 20 tell us that the natural things, the things that are made, the things that we can see and hear and perceive are witnesses and help us understand the things that we can't see that are invisible and that are part of our spiritual things that we can't see with our natural senses. So that name of Yahweh is what um, the entire creation manifests um, if we get Psalms 150 and 6, please, it gives us an example of conspiring or of a conspiracy, but something on the positive side of the definition of that word. So like everything else, we have a manifestation that has both a light and a dark side, a positive and a negative side, uh, good and a bad side, whatever adjectives that you want to use, conspiracy or conspiring is a principle that Yahweh set up and manifests in both, both mysteries. So if somebody could read it, Psalms 150 and 6, please. Psalms 150 and 6, let everything that hath breath praise Yahweh, praise ye Yahweh. Let everything that has breath praise Yahweh. So that's an example or a witness of breathing together or conspiring that Yahweh has set up as a principle in his creation. And um, to do something together, in this case, to breathe together, um, there's a principle, a term, synchronization, which means that something happens at the same time or in concert with, in um, agreement with, hap happens, um, it coincides. And we've talked about how the word coincidence, the word uses it as it is, as if it is something that just mysteriously and occasionally happens um and but coincidence by definition means it coincides occurs and that it's not a happenstance that it is just something that is trying to think of the right words i'm obviously struggling a little bit with words tonight um that it, it's not a haphazard, mysterious type of occasional thing, but it's an exact agreement with. Um, so br breathing together, that things happen together in Yahweh's purpose is a principle that has been set up. And <clears throat> um, I, I've seen an article recently, and I think there's an example that we've talked about in the past about how they found that clocks on a wall um, the metronomes or the pendulum clocks, if left to their own devices, they synchronize the, the clock functioning that's hanging on the wall. All the clocks on the wall will keep time 
at, at the same rate, at the same pace, in the same way. And how does that happen? But they've actually found that this happening in, in unity, happening in synchronization, um, crickets singing in unison, um, fireflies blinking in unison in the dark. There, in the article that I had read, it talks about the power grid in the United States operates in this synchronizing current arrangement that just happens. Um, neurons in our brain function in synchronous patterns. Pacemaker cells in our heart sync up to, to cause the heart to beat the way that it does. So the article mentioned that objects with rhythms naturally synchronize. So rhythms are things that happen in repetition and in a certain pattern. And we know that Yahweh functions over and over again with patterns that the previous speakers were talking about. We have death, burial, and resurrection. We have blood, water, spirit, 40. We have all of the things that give us the foundation and the um, ability to understand and believe and rely on what Yahweh has said to us. So um, all of this with the um, breathing together had gotten me thinking about how all this was working in Yahweh's purpose. Now in um, uh, Genesis talks about Yahweh breathing into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. So that's where he started with the all things that have breath with the creation that he brought in back that we read about in the first six days of, of um, the creation. He put his breath into and made living creatures back there with that name of Yahweh. He breathed into Adam um, as it explicitly talks about in Genesis, he breathes into Adam the breath of life. And we think about the way we breathe and we breathe Yahweh. And the in-breath picks up Yah, the masculine side of that, and the breath going out picks up Way, the feminine side. So the breathing in is called the inspiration breath and the breathing out is called the expiration breath so we are inspired when we take in that name Yahweh and our the way our bodies work when the lungs fill when we breathe in lungs fill the diaphragm which is the veil between the abdominal region and the chest region or the thoracic cavity and the abdominal cavity. Thank you, Greg. Um, that diaphragm moves up and down when we breathe in and out. And we talk about how that correlates, the diaphragm correlates with the veil at the door of the tabernacle. And when there would have been a wind or a breeze moving through the tabernacle, that veil would have gone back and forth. The veil would move with the wind, just like the diaphragm moves with the wind in the body. And um, the um, breeze in the, in the body, the air taken into the body 
there's actually um, a number of different levels that the breathing takes place on. You have the gross or the big picture level that what we think of as breathing with our lungs and the air moving in and out. And that's actually called external respiration. And that's the exchange of oxygen between the lungs and um, the air coming in and then the car carbon dioxide, the waste product being expelled out of the body when we breathe. But there's another level of breathing, which is at the cellular level, and that's called internal respiration. And that's the most important one because that's when the oxygen comes from the bloodstream into the cells and picks up the carbon dioxide as the waste product to take back to expel out of the body. And if each member of the body, those cells do not receive that oxygen, then the body will die. The body will suffocate. So that's taking things from the big picture and the air that we breathe is like the cloud that surrounds the creation on the chart, the Moses chart. Um, could we get X 17 please and get probably around 24, I'm guessing, starting around 24, somebody can pick up the right verse. X 17 and 24. Yahweh Elohim, who made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. All right, so start that again, please, Deb. Yep, Yahweh Elohim, who hath made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. All right, so first of all, Paul's talking about how Yahweh made everything and that he doesn't dwell, he's not limited to dwelling in temples made with hands, such as the churches on the corner. He, he is the creator of everything. And then it goes on to say, read. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. And neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. If he's the creator and the creator of all things and master of all things, what does he need from us? Paul's pointing out to these people that he's speaking to on Mars Hill, he doesn't need anything from us. Read. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Because he's given to us life and breath and all things. So he's the source and substance of our breath, our life and all things. Read and hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. All right, and he's made of one blood all men who dwell on the earth. Now, more recently, we've had our attention focused on how people pay attention to the external, to the outside appearance, the outward appearance, 
to what you look like, to where you come from, to um, a whole bunch of things that are all external that the carnal mind focuses on. And Paul's trying to get us to see that all men are of one blood. If our skin is removed, if all you can see is internal workings and skeleton, we all look the same inside. You wouldn't know if a man was white, red, black, yellow, um, and all sorts of other physical characteristics that we like to get hung up on. Yahweh made all men of one blood and as a type to show that the inner man looks the same in all of us, the, that there is an inner man in all of us. The nature of that inner man may be different, but there's a, a spirit man beneath or behind the veil of the flesh. And that, that's what he's trying to get us to focus on. Um, the chart that we're looking at points out that there's a, a mystery of righteousness and a mystery of iniquity. And the characteristics are very different between those two mysteries. I really enjoyed um, a recent class where the speaker brought up what we call either the brain or the mind chart, which doesn't get used all that often, but uh, displays the characteristics that are in our minds and that drive our actions, um, that provide the um, direction for what actually is spoken and, and the actions of, of what we do. And that mind chart shows us that there are very differing attributes or characteristics between the mystery of righteousness and the mystery of iniquity, between the old man and the new man who's been blessed with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and is under the new covenant. So we, we need to constantly remember, keep ourselves on track to remind ourselves that what we see and initially perceive and react to a lot of times is not, is the surface stuff. And we want to be always focusing or thinking about what Yahweh has working beyond the veil of the flesh. Now, um, in um, Amos 8.11, if someone could get that for me, please. Hold on, I got to look at the thing for to find it. Okay. <laughs> I assume you mean the, the index or table of contents, Andrea? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Amos is it. a small book towards the end of the, the Old Testament. Um, and that's fine. We should all have a marker in that page. And um, when we need to, look up where it is. Excuse me. What verse did you want? Um, chapter 8. I think it's um, verse 11. Okay. 
Amos 8 and 11. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh Elohim, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Yahweh. Okay, so we're familiar with the principle of famine. Yahweh has worked with famines in, a, in various places in the scripture. And notably back in Genesis where he had a whole saga with Joseph, the man Joseph, who was one of um, a number of brethren. He was the um, a, a younger of many brethren. And actually let's go back into Genesis 37. Um, I think that's where it is. And let's get some of the details for this, um, working with the idea of the famine. Because Yahweh also does a couple of other things back here along the principles that I'm trying to work with here tonight. Um, and I'm going back there with you so that I can suggest where we start. Um, I guess we should start at 1, 37.1 in Genesis, and we may skip down a little bit once we get rolling. But Genesis 37.1, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a sojourner in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was, the son, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. All right, and so we have a situation here that's very understandable in the natural world. We have a brother um, of a number of, of children, a son of number of children. And it says that the father loved him more than the other children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors and that the brethren hated Joseph and couldn't speak peaceably with him because of how envious they were of the situation, read. Verse five, Joseph dreamed a dream and he said it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. He said unto them here, I pray you this dream which I have dreamed for behold, we were binding sheaves in the, in the field and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright and behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obedience to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obedience to me. And he said it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him. And said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed 
come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied, envied him, but his father observed the same. All right. And so no surprise, he tells his brothers these two dreams. And the second one even had his father's eyebrows raising. And it, it didn't enamor him to his brothers, rather the opposite. It made them even more um, dislike Joseph. And so um, as the story goes on, they go out to feed their father's flock. And let's skip down to, um, let's see, uh, how about 18? 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. All right. So they're out feeding the flocks. Joseph was arriving later looking for them. And they see him coming afar off and they conspired against him. So there's a conspiracy at work here. Read. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And All right. And so one of the brothers said this got out of hand really fast um so one of the brothers says don't kill him but put him into a pit and don't lay hands on him just leave him in the pit and so they did that and they took his coat his special coat and um went back to the father and said um that something must have happened because we found his clothes and there was blood on them. And so they, and as you read down through, um, let's see, we want to pick up also um, 25. Verse 25, and they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. So they see some merchants coming by, read. Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother, our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. So then they, they conspire more and say, well, how are we gonna profit from this? If we just kill him and conceal his blood, let's sell him to the to the merchants, and um, our it won't be our by our hand that something happens to him, because after all, he's our brother in our flesh. What what love of family? Um, it, it this is really amazing how these brothers are are talking about Joseph but they all ended up agreeing to do this. And so they sold him to the Midianites um, for 20 pieces of silver. And those merchants or traders took him into Egypt. And then they returned with the coat to the father that they had dipped in blood of a kid goat and told them that something had happened and that Joseph was, was 
probably dead. We found it and, and this is what it is. So the father believes him dead and Joseph gets sold into, into Egypt. Now, as the time goes on, um, Joseph has a number of occurrences down in Egypt um, where he interprets some dreams um, and he's, um, let's see, if we skip over to 39, please start at one. 39 and one. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the, of the hands of the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And Yahweh was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that Yahweh was with him, and that Yahweh made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. All right, so when Joseph was sold down in Egypt, he was sold to an officer of Pharaoh, and it says Yahweh was with him. So Joseph ended up being put into a very nice high position within this man's household of overseeing everything of the house. Read. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that Yahweh blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of Yahweh was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not anything he had, save the food which he did eat. And Joseph was a handsome person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master knoweth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Elohim? All right, and so the plot thickens where the wife of the man of the household finds Joseph attractive and wants to seduce him, and he refuses to play. And it goes on to say that she kept after him day after day, to lie with her and he kept refusing. Um, so continue reading, Deb. Okay, and it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his work and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house and spoke unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spoke unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant whom thou hast brought unto us, 
came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she had spoke unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant do to me, that his wrath was kindled. And All right, so the wife spins the story. So there's a conspiracy, again, um, fake news. And... Um, uses all of the, when you think about what kinds of things push our buttons, um, she talks to the men of the house and then tells the husband the same story, the Hebrew servant. So first of all, she has to make sure she labels him as the Hebrew servant, um, different than, than the Egyptian household that he was brought into and talks about how was brought here, came in to mock me and tells her story, spins the story that she does. And so uh, legitimately, the husband was upset. He believed the wife was telling the truth and his wrath was kindled, read. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison, but Yahweh was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because Yahweh was with him, and that which he did, Yahweh made it to prosper. All right, so how amazing is it that Joseph gets sold down into Egypt and into Potiphar's household and gets put in charge of everything. It says the only thing that Potiphar worried about or, or really took notice of was the bread that he got to eat and he turned everything else over to Joseph. And then we go through this whole scenario with the wife and Joseph, Joseph's master put him into prison and then the keeper of the prison handed everything over to Joseph to take care of it because Yahweh was with him. Yahweh gave him favor in sight of the keeper of the prison. So it, it shows you that Yahweh is able to um, work a work in your day that you might not believe and that these stories, you know, who, who would expect that this would be the way it would play out? But Yahweh was working with Joseph and um, orchestrated everything that was going on along here. Now, the, the next um, set of events is that he's in prison and he ends up interpreting some dreams for some men in prison. And then eventually um, Pharaoh has some dreams and is struggling to have somebody explain them to him. And, and he, uh, one of the men who had been in prison re tells Pharaoh about this Joseph guy who was able to interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh calls for him to come in and tell him what, was meant by his dreams. And um, that goes into chapter 41. And let's see. Um, Pharaoh explains the, the dreams to Joseph. We're going to skip over all of that. Start at 28, please, in chapter 41. Verse 28. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What Elohim is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. 
and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by Elohim, and Elohim will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh seek out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up grain under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for storage in the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the spirit of Elohim is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as El has shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And right, so here we have another amazing situation. Joseph is pulled out of prison to come and interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. And after he goes through and explains the interpretation thereof, Pharaoh puts him in charge of everything in his kingdom. Um, second, second in command to Pharaoh himself. And it goes on down and talks about, he gives him a, a name, an Egyptian name um, that it, um, means actually means savior of the world. And he gives him clothing and, and um, Joseph's whole situation changes again showing that Yahweh is behind all of these things that are going on. And back to the point that took me back to this story, the famine that was back here, this is what made Egypt the greatest country in the world, or the greatest place in the world at the time, because they had food when the rest of the world was struck with a famine. And they were the place to come for anybody who needed food and they had the storehouses and they people paid to get the food um, during the time of famine. So um, this is what made Egypt great. Yahweh is the one who caused Egypt to be built up to the country that it was. And it also explains where it talks about a Pharaoh rose up that knew not Joseph. Because if you think about the storyline, this Pharaoh was very um, enamored to Joseph after he interpreted his dreams and, and set things up. So Yahweh worked to work back here um, along with Joseph in multiple circumstances that are just amazing. And you know it had to have the divine hand of Yahweh. Now, the famine that was back here was a famine of, um, uh, of food, of grain and um, something to eat. So Yahweh had created a situation with years of plenty and then years of famine. When we're reading in Amos 8.11, if we go back there, it talked about a different type of famine. 
Hold on, I gotta find the page again. That's okay. All right. Amos 8 and 11. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh Elohim, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Yahweh. I think we want the next one too, Andrea. Read the next verse. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of Yahweh and shall not find it. All right. So the famine that Amos is talking about, um, and the word famine is defined as a widespread scarcity of something. So the famine he's talking about is a widespread scarcity of hearing the words of Yahweh. It doesn't say that the words of Yahweh were scarce. It says that the hearing of the words of Yahweh was, was the famine that was in the land. So, minutes, please. Okay, thank you. So we have the same thing manifesting now. There's a famine in the land for the hearing of the words of Yahweh. And the natural manifestation is that there's a famine for hearing the words of truth, the facts of the matter, the science of the matter, the um, whatever is actually occurring um, without embellishment, without colorization, without alternative truth, without um, fake news, that for a huge percentage of the population of the United States and by extrapolation throughout the world, there's not a nature in people for hearing the words of truth. Mm -hmm. And it's encroaching on um, our world and things like we saw manifest this week and with a reliance on conspiracy theories and that those are the only things people want to hear that that reinforces their view of the world. Um, and all of this is a natural manifestation of the struggle of the um, battle we have to share with people the truth of the gospel, the, the words of Yahweh, the the nature of us as ministers is to try and provide food. Let's get um, Jeremiah 3.15. Our nature is to share the, the food, the living water, um, the bread that comes down from heaven that's described in, in John, the sixth chapter, which is Yahshua. And one of the other speakers talked about the, the living water. All of those things are we have and we want to share with people so that they can stay alive and, and flourish from a spiritual standpoint. And the world is rejecting all that and falling deeper and deeper into their own theories, concepts, and opinions as time goes on, more entrenched in those and making that great chasm, that great divide even, even larger. Um, Jeremiah 3.15 and then I'll be done.
Jeremiah 15. Go ahead. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And that goes back to the beginning of the scripture reading in Proverbs 1 that talks about the importance of the knowledge and understanding the instructions. Yahweh's going to provide pastors, those that take care of um, the sheep. And those pastors are going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. We can't make people eat the spiritual food that we we provide, that Yahweh provides to us to share to others. All we can do is to put it out there and to hope that someone is hungry enough that they're interested in eating that spiritual food that we're giving them under the, the auspices of the Holy Spirit that provides us with um, the peace that the, one of the previous speakers was talking about, our watchword being peace. All of that allows us, if you have a good meal and you eat something that tastes good, you just settle back and into that recliner chair and you're just so comfortable and so at peace and so at rest with the spiritual food that we've been given that it, it's an incredible blessing and we're thankful day by day for Yahweh doing that for us and showing us having the eyes to see what's going on in the world today. So um, with that, I'll, I'll close. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sikelski. And we'd like to thank everybody for participating in our Zoom class today. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from four to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And at this time, I'd ask that everybody stay muted until the stream is stopped. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both, both before all time and now and ever, let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah.